Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. I want us to go to actually two, uh, <laughs> two scriptures. Now, look at me, everyone. What you're about to read is very popular, so don't tune me out. It's the message after I read the scriptures that's going to be revelatory to you. Can I hear an amen? How can a Christmas message or principle be so relevant in our time? And it's going to, how do I say this? It's going to shock you in a good way because I believe that God is going to actually challenge us today through our Christmas story. So I want to go to two scriptures, right, back to back, just so you know how powerful this prophecy was. The first one is in Isaiah 7, 14. It's going to be in the CSB. I like the ESV. Uh, v, but I also like the CSB, and um, I forgot what, the, what that, that, that means, but it's, I, I look at different translations. And the CSB is very close to the ESV, but I like how it reads. The, the what? Standard Bible, right? Version. I was just testing you. Good job. <laughs> Isaiah seven fourteen. we all know this. Now remember, this was hundreds of years before this very rare. I want to pause and say, just because we know the story, I want to please preface this whole message by saying, what you're about to read and hear and see, it was absolutely supernatural and never happened before, and it was super rare. We look at the Christmas story like, oh, yeah, it's no big deal, you know, a virgin, you know, gave birth. Are you kidding me? This is, so I want you to wrap your head around if you were there for the first time and not heard the story. So hundreds of years before Jesus became, uh, came on the earth, the prophet Isaiah spoke this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Now look at how specific the, the prophet was. This was very specific. He could have said there's going to be a Savior coming. He said, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and his name will be called Emmanuel which we know is God is with us, right? That's a prophet. Now, here's where it was fulfilled in the book of Matthew, but don't tune me out because the title of my message has nothing to do with what you think the Christmas story is. Now, let's read it together. Matthew 1, verse 18 through 25 in the CSB. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary, listen very carefully, had been, had been engaged to Joseph... It was discovered before they came together that Mary was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. See, no one reacts to that. So her husband, because we've, we've, we've seen this for thousands of years now. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after... Because, again, because she, he thought, okay, we are supposed to get married. You're pregnant. Yeah, right, the Holy Spirit. Yeah, right. <laughs> Say that for another time, right? So she was going to decide to divorce her secretly because he felt she cheated on him. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph, listen, in a dream, this is so significant. Saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Now here comes the angel again. Because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Some versions say, is the Holy Ghost shall come upon her. 
That's a whole nother. Whew. She will give birth to a son. This isn't a dream. The angel's appearing in a dream. And you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, here's the, the Isaiah 7. The virgin will come, become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel. Say Emmanuel which is translated, God is with us. When Joseph woke up, now I want you to see all, I'm gonna break all this down. When Joseph woke up, so all these messages that I'm speaking right now, all these instructions and revelations was through a dream. How many know that sometimes you don't believe everything you dream? How many times you, you've dreamed something and it sounds spiritual but you just ate a lot of pizza last night? Or, or, or ice cream or, or some, some adobo with, you know, extra adobo on your, on your, on your salt, you know, thing. How many know that just because you had a, a, a seemingly spiritual dream, you have to wrestle, is that right? Is this God or not? What part of it is God? What part of it is my emotions? When Joseph woke up, this is so significant, he did, everybody say he did. As the Lord's angel had commanded him, he married her, but did not have sexual relations with her. Think about that. Married her, has a right to have sexual relationships with her when you, when you consummate the marriage, but he did not have sexual relationships with her until she gave birth to a son. And watch this. And he proceeded to call his name Jesus. Everybody say amen. Now, you're saying, okay, I know this story. But in the, this Advent season leading up to tomorrow, to Christmas, where we Americans celebrate the birth of Christ, obviously there's a lot of um, historical and theological debates from the actual time. I'm not concerned about that. I just want to celebrate his birth. Amen? Whether it's, <laughs> whether it's in the really Hebrew time now or, 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 or four, three, four months later, I just want to just, I'm glad that us Gentiles take a time. Come on. Right? I, I was thinking about this the other day. I believe God is smiling and, and like, even if we got the date wrong, like they're dedicating a time. The Gentiles are taking a time to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Don't throw stones at me. I want to focus a little deeper on this principle and what happened to Mary and the news that Mary received about being pregnant because I want it to relate to how we are living today. Since we know this story so well, church, we are tended to say, yeah, I know that. What's the deep revelation here, Pastor George? I know that there's a story, the immaculate conception, right? Do you realize because we know the story that we don't get excited about it anymore? But I want you to translate yourself, put yourself on a time machine as if you're seeing this for the very first time. How does it apply to you? Now watch this. Because it's like we, you, for the first time that this happened, this was absolutely insane for Joseph and for Mary to think that Mary is having a baby and the cause of it or the excuse was the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's like, it's like when you see a movie and you see the guy for the first time, you know, the bad guy behind the, the wall and he's approaching the good guy and you're like getting all excited and scared and you're talking to the TV, you know, like, he's behind there, go shoot, shoot him. All of a sudden when you, you, you get excited and, and then you get scared and you get surprised. After you see it a couple of times, you're like, I know what's gonna happen. That's how we treat this Christmas story. But what am I saying to you? I want you to imagine, how many fathers uh, do we have here? Lift up your hands. How many mothers do we have here? Lift up your hands. Okay, how many parents have daughters? Lift up your hands. Okay, the rest of you that have kids, I want you to think about this. How would you react if you are 
raising your daughter in the ways of the Lord. I'm going somewhere with this. How would you react if you are praying for them, giving them principles, and telling them, hey, don't have sex before marriage, don't fornicate, that's a sin before God, I want you to stay pure until you get married, let's raise you upright. And then that girl, she's like wearing baggy shirts, you know, three months and four months, and, and she's trying to hide it, and she's wearing all like hip-hop baggy clothes, and you're like, man, that's, she's, she's, she's dressing different. And then all of a sudden, seven, eight months go by, and she can't hide it anymore. And you confront her, and you get, you get a test, a pregnancy test, and she's pregnant. And she's pregnant, and you're like, what is happening? What is happening? Where's the, what, did you guys sleep together? Where's the, where's the husband? It's not Joseph. It's not Joseph. I mean, if you're going to sin, at least sin with somebody that, that you're going to marry. It's not him. Mom, dad, I, I know you're not going to believe this, but the Holy Spirit came upon me. The ho- fast forward to, to not knowing the story. The Holy Spirit impregnated me, and I'm pregnant because of God. God, God did it. God did. You know what you're going to do, especially your Spanish? You're going to grab that ear. You're going to come over here right now. I told you to stop lying to me. Get in your room. Stop lying. Or you're going to get a chancleta and say, stop lying to me. Tell me what happened. The Holy Spirit came upon me. What's the, mess, what's the theme? You, will, you would think that she is flat crazy. Some of you will slap almost the brains out of her head. Stop lying to your mom and dad. Who did it? The Holy Spirit came upon me. I knew nobody. Watch this. Now, here's the crux of my message. Are you ready? We're going to put the title up in just a second. Joseph and Mary had a, Joseph had a dream. Mary had an encounter. Joseph woke up from that dream and decided, watch this, to obey God when nothing made sense. Here's the title of my message today. Trusting God when nothing makes sense. Can you and I trust, still trust God when the news that you just received, the lifestyle that you are experiencing, the current way of living financially or in your family does not make sense when you have prayed and fasted and when you have done everything that you can to, to, uh, to realize the power of prayer and nothing is happening, can you still trust God when nothing is making sense in your life? Joseph and Mary decided not only to trust God but to obey God when absolutely nothing made sense. I'm wondering if there's people in here today that are challenged by trusting God when nothing is making sense in your life. When you're fasting and no, no answers, when you're praying for healing and no healing, when everybody else does a simple prayer and they get answered and you're praying th- six months straight and you feel that there's no answers, when you need a break and there is no break. When you, come on somebody. When you, need a, when you need a rest and there's no rest in sight. Come on, when you are reading your word and speaking it out loud. Come on, and do what I did. I did the other day, and I feel this coming, but I don't see it right away. I walked seven times with my condition around my block. You know how hard that was? I mean, my iPad, and I'm worshiping God. I'm like, I'm claiming my, enough is enough. I'm claiming my neighborhood for God. And I want a circle of fire around my neighborhood, and that was a big neighborhood. And I walked seven times, and my groin was hurt. My ner- nerves were hurting by the third time. My ankles were about to pop. 
I felt like, Lord, please don't have my Achilles pop right now. And I'm like, oh, and I'm praying in the spirit. And I'm praying a hedge of protection just a couple days ago. Then I anointed my house. Why? Because I want healing for my son. But guess what? I'm still showing up today when I don't see a healing of my son. I'm doing something radical. I'm talking about radical. Circling around my block seven times. And I'm saying, I declare after the seventh time, I've stretched out my hands from my house. I said, I declare the walls of affliction are falling down over my house. I have not seen the result yet. But I choose to trust God when nothing is making sense in my life. I want you to put the first slide up there. Look at what, look at what I'm trying to tell you here in this Christmas season. The story of Joseph and Mary is that they decided to obey God when nothing is making sense. Come on, look at it. Even when Joseph and Mary did not fully understand the very difficult and abnormal reality. Are you in a difficult and abnormal reality right now? It's, it's interrupted your life. Your life is on pause because of some situation. Come on, somebody. You know I'm talking to you. They were in, they still both chose, everybody say choose, to trust the Lord and be obedient to God even when nothing made sense. When pain strikes, when God is silent, when you need a breakthrough and you don't get it. I want you to put this next slide up because this is where I'm going. If, we're conf if we are confident in God's leadership and love for us, we can walk through any season of life while still enjoying the Lord and seeing the good all around us. I want to say that many of you are walking in a season where it does not make sense. But here's the thing. You're doing all the right things. You're doing all the things that God told you to do. You're doing all the things that the Bible's telling you to do. And it seems like it doesn't make sense. I'm here to tell you that, I, and I'm just going to be very transparent but honest at the same time. I've been, I've been meditating on this. Are you ready? Who said we have to understand everything? We've believed a lie in the Western church that says one day we're going to find the answer. What if it never comes? What if the season of misunderstanding, what if the season of, of, of when it doesn't make sense, what if there's no answer to the not making sense? What if there never comes an answer? Some of you guys know when I had seizures many years ago, I never, I, to this day I don't know what happened. I don't know uh, what, what, uh, the answers to the, or the root cause, but I know it stopped in 2014. Here's my point. Can you and I trust God when nothing is making sense in our lives? And because Joseph and Mary decided to trust God when nothing, absolutely nothing. Guys, do you realize that there will never again happen a birth from the Holy Spirit to a woman? Never again. And she goes, okay, I will do that. I will do that. And she obeyed God, not by feeling, not by signs. And I love there's a post that some of you guys posted recently that I read. She was favored by God, but she was still uh, dejected by the people that love her. She was favored by God, but she was given birth in a manger. She was favored by God, but she was abandoned. Listen, being favored by God doesn't always look like you're in the mountaintop. Mary was favored by God, and that did not change the title of her being in favor with God when she was in darkness. Come on. In your seasons of darkness, I'm going to get somewhere. What's the question? The golden question, sorry, the golden answer to the golden question. How do you and I, me included, stay obedient to God when nothing makes sense? How many know it's easy to be obedient and even trust God when things are going your way? 
Somebody told me recently, uh, a family member told me recently, it's like, you know, in the early stages, you know, we prayed for rain to stop and it, and it, it stopped. And it's true, a family. In the early stages, we started RCC. Seven months later, bam, we got this building. Seven months later. That's just like, that's like and then, and then uh, we prayed for snow years ago to happen when we went to, to think, and, and snow happened. But there comes a time when we pray and nothing happens. And you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> 10 years ago, you answered my prayer real quick. It's called maturity. When you and I begin to mature, he's not going to always give you the prayers right when you pray them. Because he wants to see if you still trust him for who he is, not for what he gives you. Hello? That's called maturity. When you get to that stage, then you realize that you can still keep trusting God without receiving anything from God. If we don't have this confidence in his leadership and his love, I'm getting somewhere, we will fall into despair, hopelessness, doubt, and anger. I'm convinced, now here's the crux of my message here. I'm convinced that one of the main reasons many believers, listen to me, please listen to me. Many believers that fall away from following Jesus, that ones who used to serve him and no longer are serving him, is because they have an inaccurate view, listen, of God. Particularly, not their love for God. They have an inaccurate view of how much God loves them, watch this, in every season of their life. God so loves us so deeply, just as much as when we experience the goosebumps and crying, and when he answered our prayer the next day, as when we are going through seasons when nothing makes sense. He loved his, his, uh, our revelation of his love will guard our hearts from thinking he doesn't love us anymore. He's not, there's something wrong with us. I'm a, I'm a terrible sinner. God no longer does, does miracles when we are in a season when nothing makes sense. But in that season, in the darkest time of your life, you and I have to have a revelation of how much God loves us. Not our much, because our love for God is not going to sustain us. It's his love for us is going to sustain us. Now, I want to say this. How do we trust God and obey God when nothing makes sense? Right? Say that. Say that. How do I trust God when nothing makes sense? By a showing of hands, is there a season right now where, where really nothing is making sense? I'm, I'll put my feet up. All right. And I, can I be honest with you? As a human being, I'm a fixer by, by nature. I want to fix things. When I see people hurting, I want to fix them. And I realize I can't do it. You come to a point where you can't do it anymore. L ladies, you can't fix your husband. Husbands, you can't fix your wife. You pray for your wife, right? I don't understand what happened to the Scott family, but they're here. I don't understand all the stuff that happened. Praise God, but they're here. I don't understand, but you know what? Their son, I saw them and I visited them their house. Looks great. He has some couple rounds of chemo. I, I don't understand why things happen. But here's our, the, the, the crux of my message here. I've come to realize that there's two main approaches that we tend to adopt, listen to me, when it comes to being obedient to God. Now, there's probably more, but there's two main approaches that it comes to being obedient to God. And I believe um, a lot of it sets us up for disappointment. And one of them I used to do many years ago for a long time. And one of them is simple. I'm going to explain it both. One of them is called the offensive approach to Christianity. The offensive approach. Say offensive. 
not offensive, like I'm not, not offended, but offense, like an offense. Remember, every team, especially my Miami Dolphins are going to beat the Dallas Cowboys today, has an offense. I blocked that in the name of Jesus. I only the Dolphins in the name of Jesus. You have an offense and you have a defense, right? Now, if you have a real bad defense, you can't do anything. If you have a bad offense, you can't do anything either. But in Christianity, there's an offensive approach. Watch this now. You have to hear me very clearly. I'm going to give you the answer of how do you trust God when nothing makes sense. Here it is. Or the defensive mentality for Christianity. For years, I adopted the defensive Christianity approach. Defense. What is defense? Many of you are doing it without knowing it. In order to please God, all I have to do is rebuke all the bad stuff, is avoid all the drugs and all the bad stuff that good Christians avoid, and Christianity was simple for me. Avoid all the problems, avoid all the drugs, avoid uh, drinking, avoid cursing, rebuke the devil, say no when something happens, that you say, you know, close your eyes when something is happening or lust tries to get you or anger. That, that was my defensive approach years ago. And it doesn't mean that I'm perfect now. But what I adopted years ago was, hey, Christianity is simple. Just avoid all the bad stuff, rebuke all the bad stuff, and it's simple. And then when I failed, which was often, I came across condemnation, guilt, and distance from God. Sound familiar? It's exhausting. And many believers, even in this room, without you knowing it, you love God. That's no doubt. But your approach to walking with God is a defensive approach. So when a season happens when nothing makes sense, your default is rebuke, cast out, rebuke, avoid, and no answers. Wait a minute. I'm doing the right thing. I'm rebuking. I'm casting out. I'm avoiding all this stuff. And this person is not avoiding it, and they're doing okay. Let me tell you, you will be very miserable if you adopt a defense-only approach of avoiding all the bad things. But here's how what it works. We do need to avoid the bad things. Are you ready for this? But avoiding the bad things comes by being offensively minded, and then avoiding the bad things will come automatically. What is then the offensive approach? The offensive approach is knowing the Lord's deep love for me and you in every season of our life and not so much being concerned about avoiding things but concerned about pursuing one thing. So when you and I pursue the Lord, avoiding the drinking and the cursing and the habits that we fall into will come automatically because it's out of our love for Jesus and his love for us that gives us the strength to avoid the bad stuff. But a lot of you guys that really sincerely want to serve God, you can't stand in a season where nothing is making sense because your theology is avoiding all the bad stuff and then expecting God to do something for you. Come on, church, that's good. Lord, I have avoided all that stuff. I have kept myself pure. Come on, somebody. I have, I have made a promise to you, and I kept it. It's all about look at what I have accomplished to be righteous. 
Instead of saying, Lord, I am so weak, I am so miserable, I realize that this season is drawing me away from you. It, it is. It's drawing me away from you. This, se- this impossible season when nothing is making sense, I, I, what I'm seeing is I'm becoming dry. I'm becoming lonely. I'm becoming only rebuking and not pursuing. When you're in darkness, you have a tendency to rebuke the darkness without pursuing the one that's going to give you the strength and power to shine bright like a sun, brighter than the sun in the glory of God. It's pursuing Jesus. When all hell breaks loose, there's one simple problem. There's one simple solution. This one thing shall I seek to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. One thing. I pursue Jesus. Do you remember that, that, that the Bible says you've done all these works? You've done them. You've cast out demons. You've, you've healed the sick. Do you notice that Jesus didn't deny that they healed the sick? He didn't say, oh, that was fake. He goes, no, that was real. You actually did that through me. He says, but one thing, I never knew you. Book of Revelation says, look, I know you've done this. There's like a a list of six or seven accolades. I know that you've done this. I know you hate evil. I know that you rebuke the darkness. And I know you stand faithful. I know you have a lot of outreaches. But you've left your first love. And years ago, when I was a youth pastor, I got this revelation. And I remember seeing it in my notes. And I wrote this down. It's going to be up there on the screen. Look at, this is what I wrote. I want you to see this. Effective Christianity, please take a picture of this. It's in your app too. It's not about, come on, say this with me, avoiding all the bad and sinful stuff by daily discipline. Now, let me pause and say, you still need to avoid the bad stuff. I'm not giving you permission to, oh, Pastor George says you don't have to avoid the bad stuff. No, no, no. Still avoid the bad stuff, but out of an offensive approach, not out of a defensive approach. Effective Christianity is not about avoiding all the bad and sinful stuff by daily disciplines. Effective Christianity is about pursuing and going after the person of Jesus and understanding his great love and leadership for us. Because he's a great leader. Once we grasp this approach, say this with me, then avoiding the bad stuff will come automatically. You will have to spend so much time striving saying, I'm just going to avoid, 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 it will come naturally. Do you know the number one thing that the enemy wants to steal when nothing makes sense in your life is your devotion to Jesus? The number one thing that he wants, to, when, when you're praying and no finances up, we throw our hands, come on, let's be honest, we, we're, we're family, right? I guess God does, I, 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 uh, look, I'll just say it to you, I, I'll, I'll confess to you. I've said that. I guess God don't heal anymore. I've done everything, I can't, I'm preaching for you. But you see, I went back to that defensive approach without even knowing it. I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. You're not showing up. And God says, I don't have to show up because when you do this or do this or do this. Your love for me, son, has been based on what I do for you. And there's going to be a season I'm not going to do anything because I want to see if you still come. And I had to get back to, you know what? If nothing happens, do I still love God? That's a good question. If your marriage is falling apart, do you still love Jesus? Do you still pursue Jesus? If your family is not in the place where it wanted to be, what is the situation of your heart? Mary and Joseph, watch this, decided to obey God. Now hear this, out of a dream. They believe God so much in the impossible scenario that they're in, that they're like, we believe God spoke to us, and we're going to obey. Watch this, this is deep. Whew, I feel the Holy Ghost here. Because Mary and Joseph decided to obey God when nothing made sense, we have a Savior today. 
Do you know, are you ready for this prophecy? Some of the greatest things that you'll ever birth in the kingdom of God comes out seasons when nothing makes sense. Because God is about to impregnate you. What he's doing, he's impregnating you in the seasons when it doesn't make sense. He's trying to deposit something in you when it doesn't make sense. So in the future, you could give birth to maturity, to freedom, to wisdom for others that need it. I got three amens in here. The reason we are even able to love God is when we know and experience God's love for us. I want you to look at 1 John here. Are you getting something this morning? 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 through 12, and then 19 in the ESV. You can follow along with your Bibles or here on the screen. Anyone who does not love God. Now, I want you to look at me for a second. I want you to notice that the, the difference between the offensive approach and the defensive approach. I want you to notice that there's nothing about the defensive approach in this verse. Nothing about rebuking and nothing about avoiding. And I want you to know this something. It's, please hear me. If you don't hear anything, hear this. It is not your great passion and love for Jesus, which I'm sure you have, that is going to sustain you during seasons when nothing makes sense. I'm going to say that again. That should have been on the screen, but it's not. It is not your love for Jesus. I know that sounds blasphemous. It is not your love. I'm not, I'm not, like, uh, I'm not misquoting myself. It's not your love during seasons where nothing makes sense that will sustain you. You're like, but wait, but I choose to love God. True, but that's not what's going to sustain you. It's the revelation you have of his love in those seasons. Because in those seasons, the number one thing that goes out the window is, does God still love me? He must not love me. Come on, church, I'm preaching. Anyone who does not love God does not know God. Now watch this, because God has got love. Let's keep reading. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. Now, I read this very carefully. In this is love. Come on, I want, I, zoom in. Not, everybody say not, that we have loved God. Oh, it's not, it's not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be appropriation for our sins. Beloved, if God is, is, sorry, so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Now watch, everyone jump to verse 19. I want you to read this together. Are you ready? One, two, three. We love because he first loved us. Drop that mic. We can't even love rightly in any season of our life if we don't have a revelation that in the most horrible season of your life, his love is still as hot as when you felt his presence when you first got saved. When you first got saved, you just said Jesus. And, and, you just pray. You, I mean, I'm, you pray for anything and it happened. And the, and, and the power of God was there. And you loved God and you loved him. Oh, my God, he cleansed me from my sin. Now, all of a sudden, a couple years go by and you pray and it's silent and it's nothing. What's going to get you and I to be obedient, to trust God, my, my message title, in the seasons where nothing makes sense is not your love. Let's just, let, let's, let's just put it away. It's your revelation. Everybody say revelation. Of God's love for you. That is the same in that season as it was in your good season. You, I know that sounds simple, but you have to grasp this. God's intense love for you. 
this is just coming to me. Think about the greatest encounter you've ever had with God. Maybe it was a couple weeks ago here in our church. Maybe it was an altar call. Maybe it was in a car. Ask yourself right now in your mind, how did you feel in that moment? How did you feel when you felt the closest to God, right? How did you feel? I want you to imagine that same feeling when nothing is making sense. Then you say, watch this, here's the theology difference. You say, well then why is he not coming through? Can I just be honest? We've based our theology on God coming through for us. And my wife and I, we had a conversation with a friend of ours and we realized, what if he doesn't? <laughs> Got quiet up in this Methodist church up in here. What if he doesn't? What if he doesn't come in your timeline, your timetable? Why, what if all your rebuking doesn't give you answers? What if your marriage is not the best that you want it to be? Well, maybe he's wanting you to make some adjustments in your life so that he just doesn't do it for you. Look at this. Our immediate future, look at this point, will be dramatically different as believers. Please look at this. In Christ, depending on how we currently grow in confidence in God's love and leadership for our lives. You know what I told the Lord this morning? I said, no matter what I'm going through, your leadership is perfect. That means your decision for me and my family, whether I like it now or not, your leadership is perfect. That's hard to do. When you're not seeing results, your leadership is always perfect. And here's the, the devil wants us to keep us bound in this narrative, guys. You know why? So that you'll be offended at God. Come on, preach somebody. You'll be offended at people. You'll be consistently not trusting the Lord, and you'll be staying stuck in a spiritual ditch. That's a bad place to be. Some of us are stuck because we're waiting for God to do something to base our affection for him. Now watch this. The cure of our problem isn't so much that many in the body of Christ are lukewarm or half-hearted. That's not really have to do with the problem. You know what the real problem is? Why we are lukewarm and half-hearted. The real problem is why. Now, here's the thing. is because I believe we have an inaccurate view of God. Now, one of the, when we have an inaccurate view of God, we will not be able to fully be obedient to him when nothing is making sense in our lives. I'm going to say that again. This should have been on the screen, but I'm going to quote myself here. When we have an inaccurate view of God, church, hear me, we will not be fully obedient to him when nothing is making sense in our life. That's the, that's the game changer right here, is the knowledge that you have of God. Do you know right now in this room, if, if I could peek in your head, you guys have different knowledge of God, but we serve the same God. You have a different view of how God should work, but we're serving the same the Lord. Lord, one of the books that changed my life, I'm gonna quote something. I believe if you ask me, Pastor George, what are the top five books other than the Bible you recommend? Without a shadow of a doubt, one of the books that changed my life is a book by A.W. Tozer called The Knowledge of the Holy. I highly, if you've never read that, like he's considered a historian, a theologian, an incredible author. A.W. Tozer, The Knowledge of the Holy. When I was struggling with this defensive approach in Christianity in my early years, oh, by the way, you know what the defensive approach to me was too? Getting involved in so many things so that God could be happy with me. I forgot to mention that. Not only I was avoiding all the bad things, hey, God, you watching? You watching, God? You watching? I'm avoiding all this bad stuff. Not only am I avoiding bad stuff, I'm going to go to the jail ministry. I would go to jail ministry. I would go to the apartment ministry. Me and Derek LeCaprio years ago, we would go to the hood and preach to these hood rats. 
we were some young, on fire, Holy Ghost boys, didn't care where we went. But you know what? I was subliminally doing that so that God could be more proud of me. It was a defensive approach that quickly burned me out. Look what I'm doing. Look what I'm doing. I'm, I'm preaching. I'm pre and you know when I got offended at God, can I be real with you? I said, can I be real with you? <laughs> Come on, I was waiting for you to, <laughs> can I be real? <laughs> I got mad at God and offended at God, and I never knew why. And I knew, wh I knew why I thought it was, but it's because I based my theology without knowing it. Doing all the right things, avoiding all the good, bad stuff, and expecting God to reward me for that. And if he didn't, I got mad at him. Well, he's God no matter what happens in my life. The, the greatest thing he ever did for me and you is die on the cross. And he doesn't owe me a thing. So my job is, how do I love God then? How do I have a revelation? I can't love God unless I have a revelation of how much he loves me. So let me just make this straight. Your love for God, my love for God is weak. And God loves that. It's okay. But until we have a revelation of the offensive approach of how much he really desires us, we will be frustrated in every season because we won't trust him. Look at this quote from A.W. Tozer. Please take a picture of this. This is so huge. Some of you right now, you have a wrong knowledge of God. Some of you have a knowledge of God like, like, like one of the Latino parents that have their whip and they're you do something wrong, that's your view of God. He's going to take his belt and he's going to go. But watch what A.W. Tozer says. What comes to mind when we think about God, listen, is the most important thing about us. Watch this now. Our worship, this is a quote from, from his book. And obedience is pure or tainted based on our high or low thoughts of God. The most important fact about any human being is not what he or she may say or do. Here's the last sentence. It's so powerful. But what he or she in his heart conceives God to be like. Some of you, you had no father figure in your life. So you don't even admit it, but you treat God as you would need a father to be in your life. So if your father... Uh, wasn't there or he was a disciplinarian, guess how you're going to view God as a disciplinarian? You're going to view God as anytime you mess up, oh my God, he doesn't love me. I am so bad right now. In every season of life, I want us to understand that it's not our love that sustains us, it's his love. Close your eyes and say, God, give me a revelation of your love. I know this sounds super early, but worship team, if you could come up here. <laughs> I know Jesus is coming soon. Pastor George said that at 1135. What is happening to the world? <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit and my wife. No, just joking. <laughs> Church, look at me before, before I read the scripture. How many love God in this house? How many love God? How many have gone through certain situations and seasons in your life when it doesn't make sense? All right. Your love for Jesus, as great as it is, is not going to fully sustain you. It is the revelation. Say the revelation that you have, that I have. Say that I have of God's love. Not the revelation that Pastor George has. Not the revelation that Harvest has. 
the revelation that you have. Do you realize that truth does not set you free? It's truth that you know that sets you free. It's not, it, the, Jesus said, you will know the truth, and that truth that you know will set you free. Here's the problem. Truth is truth whether you believe it or not. Then why are not everybody's free then? Because they don't have a revelation of that truth. Come on, somebody. This is church right here. In other words, truth is already available for you and I, but if, that's, if truth sets you free, why are there many, so bound, many bound Christians? It's because they don't have, watch this, a revelation of the truth that's already there. What's going to sustain you in seasons when nothing makes sense is your trust in his perfect leadership and his love for you. That he is not steering you wrong and that he has not forgotten about you. That is hard. I admit it is hard. But it has to come in here and in here. Because if it's not in here, and if it's not in here, you know what the result will be? Backsliding. Do you know, I've never said this, that there's a bunch of backsliders out there. Are you ready for this? This is going to sound controversial. That really, really, really love God. They're in the bars right now. They're weeping before they go to bed. They used to serve the Lord. They're, they're fornicating. They're sleeping around. But they love God. They had an experience with God. But what they don't understand they, they have missed a great revelation of truth, of his great love for you. Do you know that John 3, 16, I was meditating on this the other day. It's actually a Christmas message. Do you know that it's because of his great love for us that he sent John 3, 16. What it, it's, it's Christmas. I'm surprised that John 3, 16 is not mentioned in the Christmas story. For God so loved the world. Listen, listen that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus came in the form of a baby not because God wanted to do a miraculous thing and show the world. He came because we all were desperately in need of a savior. Now, I've read this story many times and you know that, but this last scripture I'm going to give you Again, I cut about three pages off of my notes so I could get you out in time. But I hope this is blessing you today. How did Mary and Joseph obey God when nothing made sense? Here's what I believe. Here's what I believe. They trusted in his perfect leadership that he's always right. Do you know that when you trust in his leadership, that means every decision he makes is always right, not 99% right, always right. That means the situation you're in right now his leadership is leading you in a certain way. That's always right. But your revelation of God's love, for, watch this, for you in the darkest seasons, I know, I'm preaching to myself, will sustain you from having a bitter, hardened, offended heart. Can you and I say, God is ravished with me. He cares for me so much right now when nothing is making sense. Romans chapter 8, I'm going to end with this. I want you to see that it's not our love for God that sustains us. It's the revelation of his love for us. I know that sounds simple, but when's the last time you actually closed your eyes and thought about how great he loves you? You feel abandoned, don't you, by God? He still loves you, though. 
You feel like if God was a good God, he wouldn't allow these sicknesses to happen in your family. He is ravished by you. You're like, I don't believe that. Look at the only way that I see in Scripture that sustains our walk with God. Look at Romans chapter 8, and look at verse 35 through 39 in the ESV. Are you ready, church? Ask for a revelation of God's love in this season. That will produce obedience. Remember, defensive approach is probably 70 or 80% of the body of Christ. Watch this. I come to church. I didn't, even, I didn't even say that. Some of you, you say, I come to church because that's the right Christian thing to do. But if you're not careful, you could come to church every single Sunday and never have a revelation of how much the love of God is trying to, to, to woo you to pursue him. It's in your offensive approach that's going to give you oil to sustain. The oil to sustain that marriage. The oil to sustain that affliction in your family. That oil to sustain the darkness that you're going through. It's not the defensive approach. It's the pursuing. It's time for the church to be offensive again and not just do duties, but actually pursue the man, Jesus. Thank you for that two hand claps. Do you realize this is so hard to do? When you're waiting for answers, come on, I, I'm preaching to myself. Is it one thing that I, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me? I want to say me so that you won't think I'm pointing at you. Is son, I miss spending time with you during this time. Yes, you're being obedient with me. Yes, you're preaching your word. Yes, you're reading your word. But you're not spending alone time worshiping me. And can I be honest with you? I say, you right. Just a little lower, just a little lower. I said, you're right. I don't have a desire to right now. But even when I didn't have a desire to, he's still wooing me. Because the offensive approach of Christianity is less striving than the defensive approach of Christianity. Look at Romans chapter 8. Let's read it together. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Listen, shall tribulation? Huh? Huh? So tribulation, how many going through some tribulation? Or distress, how many feel distressed this season? Persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Now watch this, guys. I want you to get this in. How do we stay obedient when nothing is making sense? No. In all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I want you to get this. For I am persuaded, I am sure, come on, somebody, that neither death, neither life, nothing making sense, nor angels, come on, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any else created thing will be able to separate us, not from your love, from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Now in our love, nothing can separate that hot love that he has for us. You may say, well, I'm in a really bad season. I don't feel his love. You don't have to feel it. You got to know it. You got to know that he still loves 
loves you. You got to know that you're not a stepchild anymore. You got to know that you're not the black sheep. You got to know that you're not abandoned just because you don't have your prayer answers. You're still his favorite one. You're still his child. You're still someone that he's pursuing. God wants you to know his love for you. Come on, lift up your hands before the Lord. He is jealous for me. He loves like a hurricane. I am a tree. Come on. Come on. I want you to know how much he loves you. I want you to say, God, I want to have a revelation of your love. Come on. All of a sudden, I am aware. Oh, God. And I realize just how beautiful. Come on. I want everyone to say this. Come on. season where nothing is making sense. Focus on the fact that his love has not changed for you. Come on, get this revelation right now. He loves us. Come on, church. Come on, say it. Listen to these words. Listen, listen, listen. Let his love overwhelm you. Let his love overwhelm you. He still loves you in this season. Come on, with everything in us. Come on. it makes sense he's so hot burning for you he said you're still my child 
One more time. He loves. Come on, all hands lifted up. He loves me. you look at this one the screen right here the very last point when I understand who he is I don't have to worry about what he does you can put that last thing when I understand who he is I don't have to worry about what he does so what he is allowing in your life right now is not because he's mean what he's allowing your life is not because he's abandoned you. It's because he wants you to pursue him. Do you realize that sometimes trials from God are really like a vacuum for you to get closer to God? But unfortunately, trials pushes us away from God because we have a wrong view of the Bible. I want to submit to you before we dismiss it's super early i want to i made a promise to let you guys out soon and i will but i want you guys to close your eyes right now before we dismiss he still loves tiffany and braulio and nava even in the bad news he loves tito and jessica as the family, even in this bad news, he, he loves the Scott family. In this bad news, he loves Andres, even in this hard situation, he loves you so much. The defensive approach has produced a heart that has become unsatisfied with God. Because you, in your mind, you're coming to church. You're reading your Bible. You're doing all the right things in your mind, but it is a defensive approach. You're rebuking all the bad things, and you still feel a little disappointed. God says, I want you to know my love right now. Come on, just close your eyes. Right now, how much I love you in this season. One of the greatest things I could give you is a re recent revelation that I had in these last couple of weeks. Sitting in my couch, the Holy Spirit come upon me trying to hold the tears as I hear the Lord saying you are jealous for me loves like a hurricane I am a tree listen to the words bending beneath the waves of his wind and glory and I realize just how beautiful you are and how your affections are for me you say but I'm not getting my answers to my question to my dilemma. I'm going to say something deep and I'm going to let you go. That's not why we signed up for Christianity.
That's not why we signed up for following Jesus, was not to get the answers to our prayers. We signed up because we were miserable, wretched, naked, and sinful. And Jesus saved us and cleansed us. So right now, I declare you can trust God when nothing makes sense. I declare you can be obedient when nothing makes sense. It's not your great love for him that's going to sustain you. It's a revelation of how much he still loves you in this season, as much as he did when you were on the mountaintop. Lord, I release grace. I release a heart that pursues you out of a great revelation of your love. That, Lord, Lord, though you may seem distant, Joseph and Mary chose, it's a choice, to not only have the baby, but to flee to Egypt based on dreams and words. And because of their obedience, when all hell was breaking loose, even death threats over their lives, they chose to be obedient. And because they birthed something, which is our Savior that saved the world. I prophesy over RCC today that they, in this season, when nothing is making sense, they are spiritual Marys and Josephs, where they're being impregnated by the Holy Spirit. It's in this dark season that something is going to come out that we may not know yet. I know that sounds super preachy, but Lord, it's true. But even still, the last thing I'm going to say is, Lord, take us to a place where we love you even when we don't get the answers. That we settle it today that your great love for us changed us and that has not changed just because we feel dry, just because we feel we can't pay our bills, just because we see our kids going through what they're going through. You have not changed. You still love us. So today, we adopt the offensive approach and say, we pursue you, Lord. We get back, let us get us back to pursuing Jesus. The meaning of Christmas. You came not only to forgive us of our sins, but to have fellowship with humanity. I pray right now, those who are listening and they're away from the Lord, all eyes closed. What you're missing, sir, what you're missing, ma'am, what you're missing, young person, it's not a bunch of rules. Hear me. It's not even a bunch of rules from your parents. What's missing is a deep revelation in God's love for you. That he went all the way from heaven. He didn't have to. Became a baby. That's love. He could have sent an angel. He grew up and he died wretchedly on a cross. So, so that you, yes you, could have everlasting life. Don't try to obey a bunch of rules without a revelation of how much God loves you that will produce a reciprocity of you loving God back. It's not that you love, we loved you, is that you loved us. For we love, according to 1 John, because he first loved us. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.